0: Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, where we celebrate the innovators driving change in the education industry. At Edison OS, we've worked with over 500 knowledge entrepreneurs to turn their edtech ideas into profitable businesses. In today's episode of the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, we have Anand Acharya, the visionary co-founder and CEO of the University, an exceptional financial literacy platform catering to young adults. Anand Acharya is a remarkable entrepreneur, mentor, teacher, mathematician, management professional, and musician. With a diverse range of expertise, he has dedicated himself to building the university from the ground up. Throughout his journey as an educator and perpetual learner, Anand realized the immense value of continuous learning and early exposure. One area that stands out as crucial to success is financial literacy, which the university recognized as a fundamental pillar. The university serves as a transformative platform, empowering young minds by imparting essential financial literacy skills. Hi, Anant. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for taking your time out uh, to be here with me today.
1: Thanks, Mohan. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here and trying to share the knowledge that I have gathered over a
0: period of time and sharing it with you. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Anant. So uh, my first question is a very open-ended, you know, very informal question. You know, I'd like to, if you can walk us through your journey up until the point you started, you know, Inversity. Of course, we will talk about Inversity in detail, but, you know, what led to you starting Inversity, Anand? All
1: right. Uh, Been waiting for this question for quite some time because it sounds like an interview question, though. (laughs) So uh, let me start from the personal angle first because that's that's the, uh, you know, I can say the foundation for where I am right now. So I was born to an Indian Air Force family, right, and uh, my schoolings were across this country. So that's a the good part and the bad part both synonymously because the good part is that I get to meet a lot of different set of people. Uh, and you know Indianapolis being one set of an area where every personnel starts getting shifted once every two years and there is no specific time period when you shift your uh geography. Which means that as a as a kid, I used to move out of a school in the mid of a term, enter a new school in the mid of another term, where you'd have probably build your friends in two years and suddenly you are set in set of friend of you know a lot of strangers all that. That built me into something and someone who I'm right now. Uh, Culturally getting accustomed, uh, seeing new faces and strangers every now and then, talking to new people, interacting with people and trying to understand, you know, and being very observant is what built me. Uh, Post my journey of schools, I ended up being a science student and thus ended up taking an engineering as a stream Though it was not my stream or not my preferred stream. And uh, so the condition with father was simple that I'll do something that he wants and then I'll do what I really want. And that's that's what moved me from being an engineer to being an educationist, right? Uh, while, while I was doing my engineering, that's where the entire journey of things started for me on the professional level. I always loved communicating, I always loved pro- uh, teaching maths, and I always loved exposing myself into new environment, which led me to be very observant and share that observation with people. Right. 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 Uh, and that's where everything probably fell into place and I started in getting into teaching uh, as, a, as a hobby. Uh, While I was teaching, I realized that, you know, teaching is is a concept that comes only once you convince someone that they they have the ability to learn Uh, because of the experience, especially uh, the subject that I'm talking about is math. And especially with math, the experience that people go through is sometimes so bad in their life that they really want to keep away from math as a subject. So that's where this entire life of, you know, teaching and getting into education sector started. Post that, I I worked for, uh, you know, a few years before realizing that, hey, I would really like to upskill myself, and that's when I ended up doing my post-graduation from XLRI Jamshedpur. And this was the main turnaround point because of the fact that I was not a great student academically, in terms of marks and mark sheets, right? But when I look at the uh, performance in to getting into the top three college of this country, uh, I realized academics really doesn't matter here. And that's where I started getting into this field of educating people that it doesn't matter where you come from and what your journey has been. There can always be a situation and a moment when you can trigger and change the entire course of, you know, your path and your achievements. And that's what triggered me because I, I really started feeling that if I can do it, probably anyone in this world can also do it, right? And I I started my entire journey into educating people related to that. So for a, for a good amount of time, I was into counseling, teaching people about, um, you know, how they can change their entire career path based on identifying their own skills and, you know, looking forward to their own careers and making the right choice, it doesn't matter at what age you do it and how do you start preparing, how do you start showcasing your skills in various platforms and, you know, that's how the journey started. Overall, the last 15, 20 years, I have been into education sector, but I have had my hands dirtied across almost all verticals, starting from... Teaching, which is academics, to operations, to sales, uh, to, uh, to driving entire business into, you know, profit business, and uh, to heading management, and yeah, a couple of failed entrepreneurial uh, part also in the journey. So things have been as a roller coaster, but a good learning and a, you know, good set of information that I possess right now, which I love to share with people.
0: Got it, earned. It's interesting when you said, you know, teaching is about convincing that people can learn, right? Because, and you also cited an example of how math, especially learning math, would sort have of left a bitter taste in a lot of people and they may not be confident or... But how do you do that exactly? How do you convince uh, people that they can learn? So, um, see, if if you look at our regular
1: educational system today, that is, that is a... Um, It's a a standard procedure that people follow, right? There are are a lot of uh, uh, need behind it because one, they have a constraint of time, they have to complete a particular syllabus, uh, they have to teach a group of 50, 60 students in a class, you know, with people having various uh, method of learning and style of learning. So so the education, uh, the educators today have their own challenges, right? But when it comes to uh, when it comes to after school kind of a process, this is where it becomes easy for people like us to teach someone uh, by understanding what really what are the various ways in which they typically learn. So, for example, if someone loves to you know manage money or spend money, teaching them from with respect to money is much much easier than teaching them with respect to formally. If someone is a, uh, let's say a foodie, teaching him through food, right? Uh, is much easier than teaching him again through calculations and formulas. So you don't teach based on what you want to teach. You teach based on how the other person is about to learn. And that's where the entire correlation happens. The synergies happen and the receiver, as well as the reci- the recipient, as well as the person who's delivering it becomes easy for both of us to, you know, coincide at a particular node at a point and then deliver it in a smooth way. So that's what I meant when I say, when you teach, it is about making the other person understand that, hey, you can learn it.
0: Got it. Great. Great. Um, you also said that, you know, uh, when you were, uh, you had to do your engineering, but you were pretty clear that that was not your thing. So where you clear right from your 12th standard days, even before your engineering, that you wanted to be in the field of education in some way or other? Uh,
1: um, Jaggi, here is where I, I feel that every 12th standard, you know, has a challenge. Unlike, uh, and this is where it's very important for a parent to understand that, hey, look, it's okay for a 12th standard to have a challenge because you as a 12th standard yourself had a challenge, right? So I'm, I'm not sure, that out of hundred percent, I'm, I'm definitely sure that around 60, 65% of the students still do not know what they really want to do after 12. It's it's the FOMO factor that comes into picture, uh, both from the student and the parent side that, hey, look, do this, right? It doesn't matter where you go later. You do this, this will at least keep you safe. Gone are the days where uh, people used to search for a profession which can feed them. Today, almost, every parent has taken care of that right so now comes a generation where they want to do a profession which will make them uh, enthusiastic which will make them uh, you know socially available and uh, you know and and also make money or you know create that financial independence that they are looking into so I'm sure when I was in twelfth, I had no clue about you know whether I would be even able to teach because I had this fear of going into stage, right? And uh, I I met a mentor which which I always suggest everyone that in your life always have a mentor. Doesn't matter who that mentor is, but how always have a mentor who can guide you and give you that kind of a uh, you know kickstart that you really need. So I had a mentor who who once told me only one thing. He said. It doesn't matter whether you have fear stage fear or not just go there and speak what will happen two things one either you're going to speak good or you're going to speak bad if you're going to speak good it will only improve your confidence and if you are going to speak bad it'll only improve you next time so if you see in both ends that is an improvement by the end of the tunnel right so don't worry about what you speak and um and and the funniest thing that he said is it is it is not the fear you shouldn't be fearful because you're speaking in fact the fear should be with the audience because they are going to listen to you <laughs> so go there and just deliver right let the fear be with the audience why are you feared about it and that's that's one thing that triggered me and that's that's when i started going into you know going into public shows going into competitions uh, not as a speaker alone, I, I used to because I'm, I also enjoy music. I'm a musician too. Wow, okay. I love singing, I love composing songs, I love playing uh, instruments. So I took that opportunity and those skills into getting into, you know, audience. Right. And that's what probably built me into uh, public speaking. And when that confidence of public speaking came into me, and with math as a good knowledge subject that i really loved doing i combined the two and started delivering uh, you know simple classes for people who were unable to uh, understand uh, that's where the entire journey of
0: being an educationist uh, started off with got it anand uh, you also you know spoke about you've spent a lot of time uh, Counseling kids right now, which is uh, one of the questions that's been uh, recurring in the in this podcast is also that, you know, um, finding what somebody likes to do and finding them early in life or, you know, earlier you find it, the better it is. Um, what is your thought on this? Do you have you found a way that kids today? Uh, people said, you know, ideal age for kids to if they can figure out by the time they're 16, nothing like it. Is that really possible? If it is possible, what are the ways that one can achieve that, Anand?
1: See, I, I feel it's it's possible, but uh, again, it's more about uh, discussion between a parent and a child, continuous discussion and observation of a parent, right? Now, I'll take an example out here. So, um, if I look at if I look at uh, a Ten-year-old niece of uh, nephew of mine versus a seventeen-year-old niece of mine, right? So uh, the ten-year-old nephew really now knows that he wants to do engineering for the fact that he is interested in aerospace, right? Now uh, it's not that it's it's so when we spoke about aerospace to him, he started showcasing a lot of videos, uh, YouTube videos to us, saying that you know what what are these aeroplanes going to do and why are they styled so differently he started taking interest in reading books on uh, aeroplanes and various other informations related to aerospace and We kept observing him and his interest has Continued to grow over the past two to three years, right? Right, so we realized that now that interest is continuously growing right we started putting him to uh, places where his logical abilities started growing. So we started putting him to small uh, coding classes, small classes on, uh, you know, challenges, puzzle classes kind of a thing to see how his logical thinking ability is improving. And then that's where his entire portion is improving, right? So now at a 10, 11 year old, he's, he's very clear that he wants to get into aerospace and he for that, he's, he's trying to figure out what are the various disciplines through which he can make it through. Now, the same shifts to his sister, who's a 17-year-old girl, who's still not clear what she really wants to do, right? She's only clear that she doesn't want to get into engineering. And I feel 80% of the teenagers today are deciding what they want to get into based on what they really do not want to get into,
0: Right. right. which
1: is the entire cause of the problem. Right. So I take commerce because I do not like physics, chemistry, maths. Is not a reason why I should take commerce. Right. Right. So, that, so the part is that this is not just an information for a teenage. It's an information even for a parent that you cannot make your child go through a dream that you did not go through.
0: Right.
1: every parent wants, I want my daughter to probably do something because I wanted to do right right or i i saw someone else doing it that's not the position so what we are doing with our 17 year old niece is we are trying to on a daily basis giving her a task right task of reading information pertaining to various seg- industries mm-hmm. right so first task so one day we ask her to read about architectural industry right, right? second we talk uh, talk about uh, reading her about Making her read for interior designing, then there is a jewelry designing. So, on one segment, we are making her go through entire design as a con. Right,
0: right, right.
1: The next segment, we are making her read everything related to fashion as a career. Right. Third, everything about engineering as a career, medicine as a career, and what the the final objective is that when she reads, she should be able to put down her point saying that hey, is this something that I want to do day in and day out? continuously let's say even for the next one year right forget about 10 years plan because career plans of 10 years today is of no use right so even if i'm able to do this one year continuously consistently will i still have the same energy that i had on day one right if my answer is no then that is aside if my answer is i do not know then that is kept parked right, right. and if my answer is yeah i think i should be able to do it then i put that under my consideration set. So we are doing this and then post this, the plan is to now align whatever career she chooses with her skills, whether the career matches her skills or does she have to, you know, build a new skill for it? Because if it matches its beauty, if it has to be rebuilt, then that's a bigger challenge, building a new skill at this particular age, right? So I, I think this is, this is something that, that, goes collaboratively with kids and parents together. Neither of them can say that it's it's the other person's choice.
0: Right, right. Got it, Anand. Uh, one of the most uh, practical uh, solutions that I've heard, I must say, because, uh, you know, it's a very very gray area, right? There is not one way to get it. And uh, this, right. whatever right. you said, doesn't seem bad at all. It seems pretty doable. But uh, here's another question to you. Now, we, in our education system, right, there is, uh, we've kind of set up a timeline for people, 16 years, 10 standard. And then by the time right. they are twenty twenty one, they are graduated. Now, what happens is, uh, this is indirectly putting pressure. It gives a certain time frame within which you got to choose. Now, let's say, for example, you're talking about your niece who's 17 years old, and when it when the time comes when she clears a 12th standard, she's got hardly a month or two to choose what she needs to do next. And then there is a taboo, huge taboo amongst um, parents or even kids, for that matter, of taking a break. You know, take a break of one year who, It doesn't really seem like a big thing to me. But I've had a certain teaching experience. And when I talk to parents about this, you know, because I see a real gap in skill with the student. And I say, you know what, this skill needs to be fixed before they can go next. It's worth taking a year's break to fix this skill. They are like, no ways. You know, Oh, I can't waste one year. How do you look at this? Do you think... It's wise not to do it, or do you think people should explore this? How do you see this, Anand?
1: Usually, when when I get into that, I usually suggest parents that do the homework when the child is in 11th. Do not do the homework when the child is in 12th. Right. Do the homework when the child is in 11th. By end of 11th, the child should really know what she or he wants to do post-12th. In case you do not have a definite answer. Now then comes the next stage that you extend this entire homework or the work that you're doing when the child is in 12th. Post-12th, you give the child a one-year break. And then the child does. So I throw this in this way that when you already have so typically uh I ask parents that let's assume that you are residing in a house and now you buy one more house. Now when you buy another house, is that that an expense or is that an investment? Most of the parents answer that it's an investment. So I ask one question, how is it an investment when you're spending money to buy another house? While you're already residing and you already possess one, own one while the response is that I'm spending because I can get a return in the later stage. And that's where I catch them. I said, that's what you are are going to do with your child. By giving that one year time to your child, you're actually making them get the return on in their future for the investments that they're doing right now for that one year. And that's very important because over a period of time, nobody asks you, where did you lose that one year? Today's, Today's the world knows that if you're taking a break, you're taking a break for something good. Yeah. Right? And people are okay with it. So every corporate world is okay with it. So uh, that is, there is no reason why someone has to rush. And, you know, yeah, the Indian education system says that by 16, you have to complete your 10th. Right? And But it doesn't say that by 21st, you have to complete your graduation. Yes. Right? Yes. Exactly. It doesn't state that. Which means you can, yes, but it doesn't mean that you can take more than one year break, because then it's a, it's a lost island out there, right? You, right? you still, if you cannot figure out in one year what you really want to do, you probably will not figure out in the next 10 years what you really want to do, right? So, so that's, that's what we are usually convince and we talk to parents, and most of the time parents agree to the fact that, yeah, it's a good idea, because today brand also matters to us. It is not just the degree that you get, right? There are uh, gone are the days when people used to write outside their house that my name is Anand and I'm a BE mechanical. Gone are the days. Today, BE is there everywhere, right? So so it is not about what you do, but it's about why are you doing it? Where are you doing it from? And what is the purpose of or where, where do you go from there? And for that, brand matters a lot. And the... And the more time you allocate for yourself to get into the best brand, the better the rate of the return on that entire investment becomes. So that's that's what I suggest, and I'm very much with you, Jaggi, when you said, you know, that taking a break really makes sense. If you cannot figure out when you are in eleventh, then it's okay. Figure out when you are in twelfth, but give a break. Don't rush, right? And uh, yeah, that's that's what we convince or convey to parents most of the time.
0: Right. Right. Great. I mean, uh, thank you for uh, echoing my views on this. Uh, I hope this culture, uh, you know, kind of uh, gets a buy-in from a lot of people and uh, it has to start somewhere. And I think uh, it can only start from the uh, economically more affluent people because they are the ones who think a little differently. Uh, Okay, Anand. Now, uh, you know, you also said you were part of a couple of failed entrepreneurial journeys of yours uh, can you can you talk about them you know what happened why exactly it failed uh, I don't think there's anything more valuable than such uh, stuff <laughs> uh,
1: you know I've been I, I was in my 20 uh, 20s late 20s when I started my first entrepreneurial journey uh, frankly speaking Jaggi, it's more about being part of it rather than wanting to do it right uh, the reason when you When I started something of my own, is believe that okay? There are a lot of people doing it. I think it's time for me to do it, right? And uh, maybe that's that's the main reason why it ended up failing because the purpose was not about that. There's a problem that I'm trying to solve. The purpose was more about okay, people around me are doing it, so I think I should also do one, right? Because I find the same skill set as them. And I think that's that's the main reason why a successful and a failure entrepreneurship happens predominantly. Right. I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely sure there are many other reasons why people become successful and fail. But then I feel this was the main reason for me. Uh, so I started. I started a company which was into test prep, preparing uh, you know training students for various level of international exams like an SAT or a, a GMAT or a GRE right, or right. Indian and Indian entrance examinations like CAT and so on and so forth, right? And uh, the second reason why I felt is uh, when we, when we bring on to the table, the experience that you have, the belief is that this experience will build something big, right? right? But what I learned from that is what you bring onto the table does not really matter what matters is what additional skills are you going to learn while you are on the table right and this happened to me when uh, this was in the year 2005 2006 and the the main cause of fall was not adapting to technology right, right. and right. Uh, and we have probably seen starting from the dot com burst to all the way till 2023 we have seen so many people failing just because they are not getting adjusted with technology right and yeah so that that was a, a reason for the failure but the good part is there was so much of learning out of it out of it which probably that 2 years of uh, experience that i have from it gave me probably learnings of more than a decade yeah right which i probably couldn't gather before that and yeah so so this time doing something that is taking care of all those issues that you know
0: had earlier can you please uh, go ahead and share those learnings you know uh, what you what you said to yourself or, you know what okay this is something that i'm not go- going to do in the future but of course one takeaway from what you said is when you're looking to start off something the why behind that is the most important thing why are you doing that is the most important thing there itself you can avert a Potential loss or a risk. Right,
1: right. The second probably question was that uh, you know. Uh, so from that, that failure is where I bought a phrase for which I really love. Uh, I read a phrase at that time, and I really love using it. I've said that what made you come till here will not make you go there. Right, and uh, right. And, And that's what something triggered me, saying that, hey, I may be coming onto the table saying that I have vast experience in education sector, right, but that may not be sufficient enough. Right, right. I mean, that experience would have been good if I was running past, but not for the future. Uh, Because every time it's a new experience because you're encountering a new challenge and a competition out there. Right. So one learning was that. Second learning is uh, uh, my biggest learning, which I have started using it is trust your team right when you are when you are uh, employing someone you should know that they are capable of doing the job that you are giving them right and that does you are employing them so you're doing a micromanagement that you following up with people to see whether they are doing that job on a daily basis is literally telling that you are actually doing that job and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. right so trust your people was the second thing that i the third thing that I really felt, uh, especially in the education segment is you are not selling anything in education. You do not sell. Okay. You are actually telling someone that, Hey, this is your problem. And I have this solution and I think you should consider us right, right. to solve your problem. Right. I'm not going to sell saying that if you do not buy me, you're going to lose this. No, I'm, I'm going to say that this is your problem. This is one of the solutions that I can provide, and thus you should consider me. So it is not about sales. It's more about counseling, convincing, and uh, making them understand that, you know, uh, they are as important to us as we are important to them. Right? So it's a, it's a, it's a mutual understanding program in education. Right? So that's something that we learned. The fourth thing that I really want to put my point on is managing your finances, right? Uh, when, when we start a company or, you know, the, the fault that I did is when I started a company, I did not have a proper financial planning uh, done for a, a time period beyond what I assumed to be the right time period. So if I assume that, okay, my business is going to work around in the next 10 months, I should have had a plan for the next 24 months. Uh, what if the 10 months do not work? But then I didn't. I fell short and I only planned for the next 12 months, which means I had a gap of only two months, which is a very low recovery gap for me. Uh, in fact, it's a very low recovery gap for anyone. Right. Right. And uh, that's, that's, that's something that I learned from that. And uh, finally, uh, the learning was was... If you have a product for the customer first go and understand whether the customer really needs that product right before you try to sell the product right right first figure out whether the customer needs the product second figure out if the customer needs then what kind of a product do they need and are you aligned with that and third is plan about you know how much is the customer ready to pay for such requirements right what right. is an alternative option and what is the cost of that alternative option and how are you going to differentiate yourself only then come out with
0: a product so yeah got it Ron. thank you uh, for these things and yeah i can totally relate to each and every learning that you you know put out there especially you know planning financial planning uh, you expect uh, your business to kick off in a certain amount of days and then you kind of keep your money for so many days but then you know sometimes it may take more time and it never happens the way we think very rarely does people achieve something you know, faster than what they kind of plan and project. Um, You know, which brings me to now, you know, you're doing something called as, uh, you know, you run a business called as the Inversity. I wouldn't want to call it you run a business, uh, you know, uh, you are actually solving a very, very important problem today, I would say, teaching kids personal finance, because that's kind of where, uh, uh I saw that you know you teach for uh, people between the age of 13 to 21 if I'm not wrong which is a very yeah. critical age because uh, personally I committed a lot of financial blunders in my 20s uh in fact that is when I costly mistakes um costly learnings very costly learnings that I did so uh how did you arrive at this um this idea of you know your university you know what made you think that okay you know this is what is you know one of the needs that people have and let's solve this like how did it come up to this right Jagay.
1: so they say right so once an entrepreneur always wants to be an entrepreneur yeah so uh, that's what happened when I ended up having my failed entrepreneurial I came back to corporate I started being into education segment again right and uh, COVID is the time. Thanks to COVID, you know, though it has not done great things to a human, but then, for me personally, it ended up doing something good. It made me one fine day sit and figure out the 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 problem that I'm literally really solving because that was the time when I was actually working for an tech segment. I would not name the name, company nor the product, but. Uh, we were actually as i said right we were actually selling the product and, right right uh, when it comes to selling educational product it is usually sold on fear basis uh, right, and, right yeah and that's something that really uh, triggers me off because i i don't feel like selling anything just based on fear so um, you know that's that's when uh, i just sat one day and figured out okay what can be a problem that I would really love to solve, and which I have and and something into the education segment, right? And I didn't want anything to be related with curriculum driven basis because then it becomes again the fear fear way of teaching something. And I started, uh, you know, came coming up with various ideas out there, and uh, one of the ideas that struck me, uh, which became a which was actually a practical example, was the way my Kids, my niece, my nephews, you know, uh, all young people were spending money the way they were asking their parents to order anything and everything from Amazon, Flipkart, Wiki, Zomato, whatever is available, right? And it's not just about ordering, but how that material once ordered doesn't get utilized 100%. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what triggered me, that's where I figured out that, hey, if this is what it is, because then I remember that probably this is something that even we used to do. And that's why it carried when we were in 20s, when we started earning. That's why that's why we say we should have learned it. earlier, Right. Because the only thing that parents today teach their kids is the art of spending. There is nothing else that we teach our kids. I mean, the kids are also not learning anything else. We are not a country where kids are allowed to work when they turn 14, right? We are a country where kids are kids are called adult only once they cross 18. Now, <coughs> which means their basic quality or the basic understanding of what money is and how money really works and why they are important for us. Uh, they learn only when they cross that 18 bracket and, probably they learn after a lot of mistakes that they end up doing. And as you rightly said, these are costly mistakes. So looking at various kind of a problem, the one of the problems that I felt is a very big challenge is teaching kids how to value the money, especially that they get from their parents or from their grandparents, right, or their relations. How to manage that money and have to own it, you know. Owning is also one important important aspect out here. There is a difference between owning a money and commanding. Today, when you look at a kid who has probably got a gift of, let's say, thousand rupees from his grandparent, he commands to his parents that I have received a thousand rupees, spent from there. He doesn't own that money, right? Because if he had owned that money, he wouldn't be commanding it. So I, I realized there is a huge difference in this particular learning. And it is not the kid's problem. It's typically the parent's problem because they have only given importance into career, right. into studies, into subjects. We have never given importance to kids on, uh, you know, on the financial or the money management skill. Right. So this is an area that I really wanted to connect and probably solve. While I was looking into which segment fits best, I realize that, uh, you know, 13 onward segment does fit best, but the best fitment is elders. Because unless or until you educate parents, kids will never get educated. Right. On this. Because parents will still feel that my child will manage finance when they start earning. Right. It's very important that you teach the parent equally as much as you teach the child. Right. Thus, we opened this entire program from 13 to 21 as of now. But we would like to proceed to open from 13 to 50 because that 50 is going to trigger the 13-year-old in the household, right? So, yeah, this is where Jaggi, the entire idea came in of teaching people about managing money, right? And we we didn't want to be a program where we talk about investment, okay? Start trading, put your money here. No, we didn't want that. Because that's something that most of the influencers are doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's even more,
0: dangerous. Yeah,
1: that's more dangerous yeah. than telling you that hey, put your money here. Uh, so when I started, when we started doing this entire project, we started talking to parents, and there were a lot of uh, interesting, you know, parents who came to us and said, "Hey, I don't think my child needs this program because he's already trading." Wow. So. So I was very curious. So the first thing I asked those parents were that how did he get the money to trade? And so the parents said, I gave the money to trade and he returned to me the money. I said, that's a beauty. You gave the money to trade and he took the money because he knew there is no risk. And you gave the money thinking that I don't mind if he takes the risk. So when there was no risk for you to lose the money, not for him to lose the money, right? There is no learning out there. Right. The learning comes when your your entire investment is dominated by your psychology. Right. More than money. And that's where we found this entire loophole. And thus, the university was born and i'm very proud to say jaggi that we are probably one of the only institutes or only company in this world who starts their entire program teaching from psychology we don't teach anything else but the first thing is the behavioral aspect of money or the psychology towards money which we feel is very important before you even know anything else about
0: money or investments got it right. so yeah this is this is how it started got it you said about four to five learnings that you took away from your previous experiences about you know entrepreneurship and then you know then you started this uh, somewhere during the during 2020. so how did you go about executing those learnings while you started the university say for example you said understanding the need does the market need what you're selling is there a problem so how did you go about figuring this out Okay,
1: <coughs> so twenty twenty though I started the uh, I can say the commencement or incorporation of the company happened. The program actually commenced in twenty twenty two only. Twenty twenty
0: two. I took almost wow okay yeah
1: I took almost one and a half years to just be in the market, talk to people, to figure out whether they would really want some program of this nature, and if they want, what do they want to learn from out of it? Right? What is their objective of learning? I started talking to teenagers, to uh, parents, to students—you know, uh, uh, eighteen-plus age group students, uh, youth, young professions—and uh, that's where this entire program came up with, uh, you know, inputs from people. We have spoken to almost, uh, I can say, thousand, thousand two hundred people, you know. And uh, wow. I'm not saying we did a survey; we individually went and spoke, and. Uh, based on their input, based on then understanding about what is being offered in the market right now, right, what can be the best match, that's how this entire program got created. And so that's the first thing that we did. So ensuring that I do not come out with a program and just put it in the market just because I feel it's a problem-solving program, right? I ensure that there are people who are there who think that this is right, but then, Saying that, I still am uh, on a thin thread because thousand is a very small market to, you know, talk to. Uh, When you're you're talking about billions and billions of people out there, thousand is a very small market to talk to. But at least it gave us an idea of, you know, what people really look into. There were a lot of people who also came out saying that, hey, I don't think I'll be even buying this program because such programs are available. You go to YouTube, you go to Udemy, you go to Coursera, you have such programs available. So people who criticized us also gave us insights of what we are missing in our program, right? And how do we differentiate ourselves from the rest of them? And that's, that's also was the beauty of it. So that's one. So we ended up taking them. Second is we started spending a lot more time in recruitment. We started spending probably, mu- uh, we were on an average spending one and a half months to recruit one person, right? because the idea was that once someone joins us he never leaves us right that was the idea so we are we are not a company which is like okay i will i will give you a lucrative salary and i will give you an esop just because i want you to stay right we believe that esop is not something that makes a person say, stay it is still today still it is the environment that makes a person stay right uh, Right, and the team. And thus, we have not offered even a single ESOP to our you know employees, but we have offered an environment which we felt we missed when we were employees.
0: Right, right.
1: So that was the beauty. That's that's actually I can say the beauty of you know working in companies because as employees, what we suffer, we really needed, we really realized that this is this is the loophole that is that exists, and this is the loophole that we want to clear. In our existing company. So we took that. So we ended up taking people from, you know, from a very in-depth, detailed analysis and understand. Right. Uh, third was planning our finances. We were, we were okay to let go someone who is good, but expensive. Right. Just because we didn't want to burn. Right. Right. Uh, we are not investors backed up
0: right
1: the, that's like 2020 to all the way till 2023 we have been backed only by friends and families we have not taken an external funding as of now right and we don't see that we need one right because we want to we do we are not we are not a company which is getting into a valuation game right we are really providing that value that we really want to provide right. and thus yeah so that's that's The finance is the part that we are handling very cautiously, and that's why we are able to survive for almost, you know, two and a half years right now. And, yeah, and completely technology driven. Uh, We realize that, you know, things are changing. In fact, we are also developing our uh, AI tool, which will uh, help people analyze their spending behavior. Right. And and that's something that we felt is required right so so yeah so somewhere all the learnings that we have done is getting incorporated but ensuring that you know we are open for suggestions and we are open for changes we are not very stringent or straightforward there so it's a a long journey to go jaggi for us
0: great um the way you kind of described you know uh, it has a very very relaxed uh Vibe to it, if I can use that word, you know. So yeah, I can totally uh, see, uh, you know, that the failures getting translated to, uh, you know, better usage or you know learnings rather. But I want to dig a little deeper. You said you spoke to thousand thousand two hundred people. It's easier said than done. Um, you know, people will listen. Oh, okay, fine. I'll go talk to thousand people. But when they start. Where do you find the first person what was the methodology you adopted you know uh, did you uh, write cold emails or did you go outside of uh, institutions to talk to teenagers you know what did you how did you carry out this entire process and how long did it take
1: so it took typically for us almost i can say eight months for us to cover the place that i started from i did not go anywhere to uh, any person from India. Oh. I actually connected to a teenager in Australia, okay, who is 14 plus okay. and working.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. Right? Then I wanted to know their behavior towards how do they manage their money. Okay. Because they are now part time earning. So they value money more than anyone else would do. Okay. More than a full time or two. Right? So I connected to them first. Right. And there, from there, I connected to their parents to understand the behavioral change in the child. Right. Right. That's where, post-understanding that segment, is when I came to, uh, you know, within the local portion. I segregated my entire, uh, or we can say we segregated our entire audience into various demographics and geography. Okay. Uh, paying capacity, you know, financial capacity. We started going into... Uh, niche or very uh, high status uh, spaces, you know, maybe restaurants or apartments or you know residential area. Started talking to parents and kids there. More of parents because we did, we knew that the kids' behavior is going to be different there, right?
0: Right, right.
1: High net HNI HNI people right, typically. We also spoke to uh, these labor class. Right. To see how do they manage and, uh, you know, what what are their kids' responses to that. And so we ended up going to various colleges, talking to students, talking to professors, going to university, talking to Mm -hmm. chancellors. So we distributed our entire audience into various segments so that we get a different idea altogether rather than, you know, just one idea and then putting that, formulae across all the program all the people we started bringing ideas from different people so that's that's what curated the entire you know journey got it i mean initially when we actually if you if you can if i can take a couple of minutes of yours to make you understand what the journey is all about right yeah so initially when we started the university our idea was only to teach about finance or money management right but when we spoke to people we realized hey Teaching is just a very, very small aspect,
0: right? Right.
1: When I look at any individual as, as an academician or as an individual myself, I see we have three stages of journey. At mm-hmm. the first stage, we learn. At the second stage, we apply our learning. Right. And at the third stage, we execute that learning that we have applied to get monetary benefit right. or any substantial benefit, right. okay? So there are three stages always. There is a learn, there is an apply, there is an execute. Now, when we were talking to parents or students or anyone, we were talking about the learning aspect. Right. But we realized that we are completely missing on on the apply and the execute aspect.
0: Right.
1: A student may come to me, he will learn, but where is he going to apply his learning? Yeah. The problem is he will be reluctant to apply because he still sees that risk. Right? It is more to do about how you talk about money within family that takes care from me being a nerd or me being a uh, spendthrift, right? How the, how the family talks is more important that than how I think. Mm. So that's where this entire journey came into picture and thus the name came as the university, the university for investment, right? So, we have three phases altogether. The first phase is about you learning about money management. The second phase that we are coming out with is an AI driven gamification, where you do not put real money, but in real time, you get to know what your money would have done if you had taken that decision.
0: Right, right.
1: So bringing in AI driven uh, analysis, where it will track your expenses on a daily and a monthly basis. And if there is a change in your monthly expense, it will showcase that change and, you know, at what percent that change has happened. So if if your luxury change towards luxury has increased by, let's say, 10 percent, it's going to warn you that. Right. Right. And, And it's going to push you to make your changes required so that you still stick within the boundaries of your habit. Right. And then we want to bring out our fintech platform where you start executing. Once you have started gamification, you have started building that confidence that, Hey, look, my investments can also grow. Now you really want to put your money. So we want to bring in that fintech where you will start putting your money. Right. And start looking at the money grow. So, so the, so if you can imagine this, it's like, you can join at any of these stage and you can move from any stage to any stage, depending on how your performance has been. Right. That's what our entire learning has been in this. And that's why I said the technology plays a very big important, the most important role. Got it. And to add to this, uh, what we call as the Ramban, right? So we have, we have one of the, uh, one of the craziest concept which we want, which will be floating once we come out with the FinTech.
0: Right.
1: Where every individual irrespective of their age, irrespective of their, uh, you know, Education. They from that platform will be able to learn as well as earn throughout the globe. Right. Because obviously, you don't invest without money. Right. 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 So, so yeah. So that's 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 the entire program that's planned. It. So our our talk was not just on. Teaching people, it is about. it was all about how do they fit in all these four portions of our, uh, you know, space that we really
0: wanted to create. Uh, yeah, so this is how we got our crowd. Got it, Anand. So you said that, you know, after talking to 1,000, 1,200 people, what you understood was when you thought of starting off just as a finance education company, but uh, the conversation with these people changed it flipped it uh, to the point where, you know, uh, teaching was not, was just the tip of the iceberg, but applying and executing them to monetarily being benefited from whatever you're we teaching was the biggest change that happened after you spoke to so many people. And you had to pivot your whole business model accordingly, I believe. Yes, yes. Got it. Anant, uh, so uh, after this, uh, you know, when I saw your website, it said 13 to 21 years. You also said, you know, you're targeting uh, elderly people like, you know, who are 50. But that's something, I'm, I'm not sure if I missed it or is that a plan for the future?
1: It's it's a phase two. So, that's why we have not updated in the website. It's a phase two. Phase You really okay, want to good. first year capture this audience.
0: Got it, Arant. Now, going back to the time you probably, you know... Uh, Concretized what you're offering, and then you went to the market, right? How did the first sale come about? Uh, was it family and friends, or was it a total stranger? Can you talk about talk? You know, talk more about the first few sales and the first batches and stuff.
1: So what we did is uh, post speaking to these thousand people, right? So we ended up taking their references. So when we spoke, we we took their references, we took their numbers and mail ID. And we invited anyone that they think needs a learning on financial literacy, right? And who falls between the age group of 13 to 17. We invited them for a free session. Right. So what you can say is we actually ended up doing an affiliating marketing part, right? Mm. So where we had built a trust because, see, I believe that if I have to ask you for your opinion on a particular topic. Right. You'll be more than glad to give your opinion, right? Because I do not know, but I may be wrong to say this, but Indians love to give opinions because they're free, right? Uh, We we love to give opinions. And if I go to someone and I say that, hey, would you like to give an opinion? They'll be more than happy to give it as long as it doesn't cost them anything. Right. And uh, that's that's how we actually ended up getting the thousand. Right? So as you think the thousand was not that actually difficult right? to get. Now, what we ended up doing is because we had already spoken to thousand people, because thousand people already knew us, we wanted to use that uh, chain. And we floated people saying that, hey, look, we are looking at someone between a 13 to 17 age group who can attend. Maybe, a, you know, four sessions or five sessions just for free. To understand how you manage money and this is where from those thousand people we got approximately 183 people coming and attending the session right right Right. and I didn't have to do anything to get those 183 people coming and attending the session right and the beauty of that is because I had spoken to certain colleges and universities and schools we also ended up getting Certain school and college die up because of that, right? Right. And that's where uh, so out of that 183 students who came and attended our session, we had the first sale coming out of it, right? So and uh, so I'm not saying I'm not talking I'm not saying that we are sales is great. We just started the sales by the month by January 2023 is when we actually started selling this program.
0: Oh wow! Right? Okay. Oh, till no. twenty for the entire twenty twenty two you never made any money from what you did.
1: No, no, no. Okay. We wanted to make sure that what we start, we are starting in the right way. Right. Rather rather than I make money and then I lose ten times of it and then I start changing my product. It's better to lose little bit. Only a bit of it and be safe. At least have some right. clarity.
0: Got it yeah
1: so that's when the january is where i i my first sale and uh, you know so from then we have got significant uh, working out though it's not growing enormously but then yes people are recognizing people are calling us people are uh, looking forward to you know talk to us So uh, we just uh, signed up a college in Mysore whose program is starting next week. We are signing up a college in Bangalore whose program starts in July. Then we are starting a program for a Patna or Bihar-based college uh, and an MP-based college. So this, frankly speaking, this thousand really changed our entire way to approach the market, right? And uh, yeah, so we we are now trying to do one more round of this for probably 5,000 people to get their opinion. See, the idea is that I reach 5,000, but I also get their opinion. They remember me and they market me, right? So my cost per acquisition should drastically drop there. Where my awareness start, starts increasing high. I uh, So you can say an old school of thought, but there are before... Before digital marketing came, it was the ground activity that we used to do. And I think uh, nothing better than that, which comes as a word of mouth, right? So, yeah, this is where currently it is,
0: Got it, Anand. No, I mean, it could be an old school of thought, but I'll tell you what, this is, it's it's amazing. You know, it's rock solid to say the least, because... um, I mean, as I was listening to what you were saying, right, uh, talking to a thousand people, and then when you ended the whole conversation, it makes complete sense because what you, it's only win 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 for you, right? Uh, you are, of course, maybe the difficult part is the time that it takes for you to go complete conversation with a thousand people, but the outcome after you do that is pretty amazing. It's organic. Uh, you're, you don't come across salesy, you know, uh, you come across educative. There's only positive things that I can see and if people are listening, uh, you know, who are um, looking to start, uh, you know, education based business, I think here's a here's a method right here in front of you that you can follow Go and This also ties back to the fact that you wanted to do the research and market, right? Whether this product is viable or not. Right. And uh, you solved that. The idea was never about marketing. Right. right? The idea was never about
1: marketing. Someone comes and says, hey, you know what? What what this person has spoken is such a waste. He has spent eight months reaching out to thousand people. I would have spent 50,000 rupees on Google, uh, you know, Google ads and I would have reached thousand people within eight days. I mean, this guy is completely wasted his time. I mean, if they are looking me looking at this idea as an approach to marketing, then they have got it completely wrong. Right, right, It was never an approach to marketing. It's not. We just leveraged it in the latest
0: stage. Right, 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 right. Uh, no better way to you know get you see getting 183 students as audience, even if they do not pay, is still a huge thing. Um, People, you go and call people and ask them to spend a couple of hours with you for free. No, nobody is going to do that. It's not that easy. So there is a...
1: fact, But the fact that you have, we have to also look into the fact, I mean, I know that I'm, I'm, you know, boosting my own uh, company, but then that's not the purpose. But the idea was that when we reached thousand people, right? Right. 13 to 17 was only our audience of maybe 10 to 15 people.
0: Ah, right. So if me
1: getting 183 students who are in the age group of 13 to 17 means that the remaining 900 people actually pushed my message to one of the relevant audience.
0: Right, right, right. Right.
1: So that was the entire uh, visualization that we found to be actually positive. Right. Right. Yeah, had I had I spoken to thousand people whose kids are in seven, 13 to seventeen, and only one eighty three came, that's like ten percent, ten to twelve percent. That also is actually good. It's, because it's not bad at all. Yeah, to, yeah, cold lead to a uh, foot uh, footfall. But then, considering that I did not have that audience, and those audience actually pushed someone to attend for free, it was something that really gave us that boost of years. Now it's the time that we can actually hit the market with the right product. Got it.
0: Uh, yeah. Anant, uh, by teaching the 183 people or, you know, offering them a free session or how many ever sessions or if you even complete a program, what did you exactly achieve?
1: So one was, <clears throat> see, we wanted to test a couple of things. One is the, the mode of delivery, right? Right. Now, we knew that if I give complete live session to students. It may not be beneficial. Right. Right. Because certain learnings some students do not want. Right. While some students would want. Right. So, our entire program is number one, uh, a hybrid program where we offer self paced classes as well as live classes. Right. Right. This differentiates us from the existing platforms because, in existing platforms, it's more of a self paced classes. Right. That are hardly live. Live classes has this one-on-one live class, mm. which is not operationally beneficial, and it, at one point of time you will you will start engaging low quality uh, deliverable faculties, teachers, right, mm. just to ensure that your cost of operation is low, right. and which is not going to make sense for the for the learner.
0: Right.
1: Uh, business side obviously it will, but for the learner it will not. Right. So we wanted to sh- uh, see whether this combination of live and self-paced class works. That's number one. Number two wanted we wanted to test is our content, right? Whether the student who's 13 to 17 will be eagerly engaging with the content that we have. Because each, though the content varies, each age group has a different style of learning and a different capacity of learning. We have to ensure that we do not Uh, get into that elastic mode of you know testing your elasticity limit out there so that's that's the second part and finally we wanted to because uh, we wanted to ensure that because we are teaching finance and finance is not a cup of tea for everyone right we made our entire sessions only 20 minutes
0: i noticed that one was 15 minutes one was 30 minutes yeah
1: Right. So we have self-paced sessions, which is 10 to 15 minutes video, while our live classes is only 20 to 25 minutes. Right. So we do not want any student to feel by the end of 20, 25 minutes that, oh, I wish this gets over.
0: Right. 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 right.
1: We always wanted someone to say that after 20 minutes, oh, I wish it continued. So we wanted that. So we, we were testing all possible areas, you know, whether this really fits, how does this fit? And how should be your teaching methodology be? Should your teaching methodology be a whiteboard? Should it be a PPT driven? Should it be a video driven, right? Uh, Many people suggested me that you should go for animation. Right. But but I don't know why Jaggi, but maybe I'm again, you can say I'm an old school uh, person out there, but I feel that if we learned things so well without an animated video, the kids who are now born are supposedly smarter than us. By making animated videos, you're trying to tell them that, hey, look, you're dumb, so you need this to learn it better. In fact, they are much, much smarter, and thus they require less input to learn faster. So when someone told me that, look at give an animated video just because everyone is providing one, or a cartoons side of a storytelling, I didn't feel like. I said, you do not need an extra story when they have their own experience right back of their head. So, yeah, so these were the areas that we really wanted to test when we had this 183 students sitting in. While the second thing that we wanted to test is how many students, what, what capacity should be your batch?
0: Right.
1: Should you have five students, 10 students, 15 students, 20 students? because finance cannot be learned as in one on one right it's a better of a community learning mm. but you should you should know clear cut definition between a community and a crowd right and we wanted to test that right so yeah so we used all these you know gray areas to test with the real audience
0: great you spoke about you know your view on animated videos and stuff right you said yeah it's a very interesting perspective that you brought about because I always thought animated videos uh maybe help in better engagement you know uh, you know to maybe not to make it more interesting to not make it uh, a boring session but uh you had a very different perspective saying that you know you're probably dumbing it you know you're probably assuming that they need this um uh, you know for them to understand but if animation is not for making things interesting uh what did you what did you uh, do to make things interesting to make sure the engagement is there because engagement especially in the online space is one of the most toughest things today you know some people don't keep their video on they switch off the video you don't know what's happening how is, was that even a problem or, you know, have you managed to tackle that?
1: Jaggi, a challenge that exists, right? Forget about classes, challenge exists even during corporate meetings with videos not being on, right. being off, something that is not in a control of any individual, Right. Right. right? The only thing that we try to do is we try to give them activities Mm -hmm. which they have to uh, do then and there and show it to us. Right. Now, we do not allow people to present, right? So they do their activities in a sheet of paper or in a book. Right. And then they hold that book in front of us and show it to us. This ensures that someone is at least switched on the camera. Right. Number one. Number two... The way our entire program is planned is that post every program, so ours is a certified program, okay? We provide certification. As of now, we are providing internal certification, but we are trying to tie up with maybe an international university which can authenticate this entire program and provide certification. Right. If that happens, then uh, good. But what we have is after every session, there is an assignment and an assessment which is linked with that session. Got it. So if you're if you're if you missed the session even for let's say a minute or more, you would not figure out what to do in that assessment and assignment
0: mm.
1: because they are linked. Right. All information within that session is important for you to use that in the assessment or you know assignment. Right. And only when you complete this entire life cycle is when you get certified.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. So. Uh, So yeah, so that's, that's one part here. We felt videos, uh, you know, you're, you're right. Animation makes things easy, but what we felt is activities make it much easier. Right. Okay. Especially when the activities aligned with your experience. Right. So if I ask Jackie to, for example, if I give you an activity talking about, uh, let's say, uh, doing, doing a sales, right? Or doing a coding. It may not fit you. But if I give you a jockey activity saying that, hey, can you plan an entire podcast, uh, you know, script? Right. It's an activity that is aligned with you. You should be able to do
0: it. Right. Right.
1: Right. Well, the objective may be different. But as long as I know that I'm talking about finance and I'm trying to make you understand about money management, yeah. my activity relevant to money management makes it much better, right? So, so we 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 kept ourselves, you know, away from animated
0: based story or movies, as of now. Agreed. You know, makes 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 complete sense. Here's the thing, Anand. You said, uh, you know, uh, in the beginning when we spoke about. Teaching is about convincing the student that, you know, they can learn by kind of going through their interest areas now. uh, So does that mean you're doing one on one training here or if it's a batch, how do you manage the personalization when you give activities?
1: So what happens in our program is every, every individual who enrolls has a mentor, right? So one mentor is managing, 20 students right the mentor's job is that okay so the activity is a bit generic right when i ask you to do but so for example one activity that we ask students to do is list down their entire expense that they have incurred every rupee by penny by penny for the past 10 days now this is a generic activity right right but what you are filling is very specific to you. correct correct yes Now, once you fill, you send it that information to our mentor. Right. The mentor connects with that student, spends 15 minutes to each student to understand what changes they could have done in this entire experience. Right.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. What expense they could have controlled, what expense they could have uh, discarded, what expense was a need-based expense, a want-based expense, a luxury-based expense type, right? And that's where the entire learning comes out.
0: Right. Right.
1: Now what is an expense tracker? It's a generic learning. So I don't mind teaching ten students together what is an expense Great. tracker. Great. Yeah. Right. They're making asking you to make a budget or asking you to make an expense tracker is also very generic, but when you make one, you get connected with the mentor and that's where the personalized learning comes into
0: picture. Got it. Great. Right. So that's why we
1: I said one is self based learning and one is a
0: life learning. Great. Now, uh, when you when you spoke about this expense tracker, now uh, see some students may have spent in the last ten days. Some students, it's a very subjective thing. So, do you make it a point with the parents that you know to deliberately do something? Uh, to No, no we no. don't. No, okay. No, we don't. So, what we do is uh,
1: we there are two aspects here. If you have spent in the last ten days, we ask you to record
0: those spending.
1: If not, we ask you to record the last. 10 items. 10
0: items. Got it. It need not be time attached, time bound. Yeah. It may not be the last 10
1: days time attached. Got it. 10 items. Got it. And then we start pushing you to figure out which of these items are you in regular use with. Right. Right. That's where they see that 40% of the spend that they have done is actually of no use.
0: Right. Got it.
1: Right so what we teach them in, through this is we teach them not only about money management we teach them about making good financial decisions right we teach them about having negotiation aspect right right uh, which is very important yeah and uh, yeah so so all the learnings that is required to for your behavioral change towards money is what we teach here
0: got it Got it. You know, when it uh, comes to um, the online infrastructure right now, I am assuming uh, you know that all the training that you're doing is happening online. Is that correct? Yes. There's yes. no in-person classes and stuff like that. So uh, this is a very generic thing for anybody who's teaching. Right. Uh, what's your online uh, tech stack looks like? I mean, do you use Zoom? What are the tools that are very essential for you? Uh, what are the gaps that are existing currently in your tech stack for online teaching? Okay,
1: so the current online that we are using is a third-party tool. Okay. Uh, We're obviously using Zoom. Okay. Right. An inbuilt tool with our uh, learning management system. Right. So we have an LMS where all the assignments and assessments comes into picture, and students can attend the classes through Zoom. And, you know the recordings that happens, but uh, yeah, there are, there are challenges that you find in online spaces, mm-hmm. right? Though AI has tried to solve a lot right. uh, by, you know, trying to measure the attendance of a person, the curiosity level of a person or interest level of a person. But the challenges still remain because what you can teach live, right, by making the changes that is required by looking at a facial expression of a student, or the physical behavior of a student, how you can change your entire class because you realize that, okay, there's one segment of the class, which is really not enjoying the topic that you're teaching. right? And you suddenly shift your gaze to ensure that all are accommodating right to that learning. These challenges I think are still, you know, that exists in online mode mm. because as I said, when I'm not, when I'm not finding interest, I probably switch off my camera. Right. right. And that's, that's that's that with a teenager especially with a teenager who has an access to mobile phones yeah, who has an yeah. access to social gathering sites and you know that's a, it's, a, it's a challenge by itself uh, which probably will take a lot more time to solve rather than what seems to be
0: got it on no, no. And uh, when you, you know, decided that, you know, personal finance is the product and stuff like that, one of the important things when it comes to teaching and education is the material that you build, the content that you have, right? Um, How did you go about cracking this process? Because this is the crux of your business. And uh, once this is solved, you will go forward. So were you the subject matter expert in this case yourself? Or did you, you know, consult with others? Any finance experts? Because we are teaching the teenagers here, right? Yeah, so true.
1: So, uh, one thing that we believed here, Jaggi, is that if you are into, or one thing that I believe is, if you are into education, then content is the king. And if content is not under your control, then you better not have that business for yourself. Right. Right? Because there's no fun in someone else making content for you, and when that is the core of your business. Right. So, uh, the core of the content, obviously the plan or the the skeleton of the content was created by me. Right. right. As I said, I have been an academician, so I understand how structures are <coughs> to create the content. Uh, we started having a couple of people from different backgrounds. So the first idea was to know what are we going to teach. Right. Right. So we started with uh, including the first module, which was into psychology. Then once we figured out that a person un- should understand the behavioral side of money, then we realized, then we thought that you should also know how the money works in a market. Right. Which means economics is very important for someone to know. Right. Right. And economics is not something that everyone knows Right. So we introduced the module on economics and how markets are, what are the various types of markets, so that students understand what this is. Right. Beyond this, we then realize that when it comes to investments, it's more of math. Right. So we we built in a module called as financial mathematics. Right. Which tells you how uh, EMIs get calculated. Right. Which tells you how uh, compound interest works, or simple interest works, or how uh, present value or future value works, how rate of interest works. So we wanted people to understand these terminologies rather than going always to an online calculator, right? They should be able to build their own
0: right, calculators. Right, right.
1: Right. Because each person's investment journey is different. Yeah, I cannot be dependent on an online calculator for that.
0: Yeah.
1: Once we uh, made this module, we also realized that where will this person use his mathematical skills? He cannot use in a calculator on a daily basis. So we introduced a module on teaching people about how to use Microsoft Excel, right? Right. So we brought in a module where you can learn about Excel advanced level, create formulas or create, you know, your own future graphs. We wanted to introduce people about banking and taxation, because that's one of the areas where most of the people keep their money first thing, right? Which is bank. And second, where most of the one portion of your yearly expense goes, which is your tax. Right. If you do not, knowledge on these two. There is no fun in doing anything else. So we introduced banking and taxation. Then we introduced another module, which is on understanding finance. So how do I, when I invest, I'm not investing on a blind aspect. I'm investing on market. I'm investing uh, market driven by companies. So how do I read companies? How do I understand? So you need to understand, know how finances work. What are various financial statements and how do you read them? So we introduced finance as a topic. And finally, we introduced investments. Right. Right. And in investments, our main target is covering giving knowledge about all possible investments that exist. Right. Not promoting any investment. Right. Not telling where your money will grow. We want to be an institute or we want to be a place where people learn various, uh, understand various aspects of investments or verticals of investments, and they are capable enough to do a self-decision on which investments works good for them. Right. Right. So rather than pushing, saying that, hey, you should trade, you should go into future options, you should go into equity. No, that's not our job. So this is what first we created the modules. Right. Once created, uh, the investment module was completely created by SEBI registrar uh, or licensed investors. Got it. Got it. So we did that. The economics module was created by PhD economics holders. Right. The finance module was created by MBA finance and CAs. The taxation. Right. Right. The math and the Excel and the psychology was created by relevant people. While my idea was to give them the entire structure of Got what it. the sessions should hold, how should the flow should be. Yeah,
0: this is bad. News. great. Great stuff. Can you, uh, you know, you you you've uh, spoken about uh, the psychology. Uh, can you share one interesting uh, psychology behind or behavior behind a typical um, way we spend, which may not be the which we think is right, but which is not wrong.
1: Right, Jaggi. So um, one of the psychology uh, that I insist on myself as well as others is, um, I, I use a rule called as a 24 rule. I mean, that's, that is nothing called as a rule, but I have named it for myself. Right. It's a 24 day rule, uh, that I have kept. Now this rule is when I want to buy something, I, if I, if I'm, if I'm, let's say at Amazon ready to buy, because I need this, I push it to 24 days. Right. If I'm walking, if I'm in a mall and I see a, I, I see some apparels or something that I really, gadgets that I really want to buy, uh, before I step in, I just push it 24 days. Mm. Okay. By 24th day, if I still remember that material or that uh, merchandise that I really want to buy, then it means that I really need it. Mm. 80% of the time, I have forgotten what I really wanted to buy. In 24 days. Right. Right. And thus, I end up buying only things which I really need to buy. Got it. And this is something that I have seen drastically change, even in my kids, right, who now have started putting it. I said, I said only one thing. If 24 days looks too big for them, because psychologically they feel, oh, I have to postpone for a month, right? Yes. Which they are not ready to do at that tender age. So I usually ask them to push it for 14 days, two weeks. Got it exactly right so i push it for two weeks 14 days and i say that save your money right for 14 days and put your budget what your budget is now after 14 days if they really want to buy that if they still think of buying it then they buy it only if that falls within that budget
0: right right
1: otherwise they do not buy it right so putting budget first then buying is more important than putting the item first and then setting your budget. Right. Right? Saying that, okay, I want a, I want a 55-inch uh, TV. It's good. Right? But then wait for 24 days. If you still enjoy watching the TV in your old TV, just continue doing that. Right? And if you still don't, then put a budget and then go for searching rather than searching and then setting a budget. Got it. Great. Right. So this is one thing that, that I deploy for myself, and it has seen a tremendous change in the way I have done. I love uh, watches, right? And I love cars. Okay, and uh, before, I mean, I, I'm not the right fit to teach someone about financial literacy, <laughs> I think, sometimes. Because there was a time in my life when I used to change cars almost once every two years. Right. The maximum I used to have a car is for two years. Right. With an understanding that a car depreciates faster in the first three years than it depreciates in the later stage, with that learn and understand knowledge, I still used to buy cars once every two years, right. And it's not just buying cars, it was decorating the cars too, right, spending on accessories On almost every, once every three months was my habit. Right. Now, this is only the phase where I have a vehicle which has been with me for now nine years. Wow. Okay. (laughs) With no accessory done. Every time I think of an accessory, I push it for almost two months for it. 24 days to two months is what I push. And if I still think about it, that's when I think that I require it. But most of the time, I don't need it. Got it. So, yeah, this is something that I can share with you,
0: Jagi, if it really helps you. It it does. It does. It's a very interesting thing. Of course, why not? Um, And people, I believe, can probably tweak that 24 days into, say, 20 days or 15 days, according to the convenience. But don't give in to it at that moment itself. Postpone it a little bit more. Sleep on it, maybe. And then see if it's, uh, you know, if your mind has changed, if it was an impulse buy. Because I agree with this. Because a lot of times we make impulse buys and then later think, oh, I shouldn't have got this. And, uh, I, I do this even for, uh,
1: I suggest this even for people who want to, uh, you, you know, uh, who are taking this afternoon food or going to a restaurant. Right, right, right. So when we are walking, we see a restaurant and then suddenly we're hungry. We're hungry. Right? Yeah. We want to get into that restaurant. What I suggest is usually I say, cross that. Okay. Push yourself to cross it. Go for maybe another 15, 20 steps ahead. If your determined is so much that you want to turn back and walk again. It means you really want to eat that food
0: right but most
1: of the time you don't want to go back
0: this is something that i've experienced myself and uh, sometimes you don't know what you want you know you're hungry but then you know you just yes. i just let my uh, whatever you know i use a two-wheeler so i just let it you know just take me wherever you know you can't stop obviously you will go somewhere yeah. and uh, yeah. sometimes yeah these are very interesting uh, psychological aspects um you know, that we can, I think we can talk for a long time. Uh, very interesting, definitely. Maybe another podcast just for this. Uh, <laughs> but um, the way you broke down, uh, you know, the way you, uh, you know, experienced uh, your, uh, you know, couple of failures before the learnings and then the way you've uh, applied those things in the current journey. Thank you so much for doing that, Ranat. Yeah. Um, Very candidly put also, at times, you said, you know, late 20s, you started just because somebody else is doing is not the easy thing to admit for most people, right? Uh, But I think uh, if somebody can realize that and go back to figuring out why they want to start something, I think that will solve them a lot of pain and stuff. Right. Great, Anand. Thank you so much uh, for uh, sharing your time and your knowledge and, you know, a wealth of experience that you've gained over a period of 15 years and more. This is truly invaluable. Thank you so, mu- so much. for this.
1: Thanks, Jaggi. Thanks a lot for inviting. Thanks for making me nostalgic and, you know, coming out with all those things that I'm suddenly talking to you. I also realized there are a couple of learnings that I missed utilizing it now.
0: So right, I, should, I okay. actually
1: look out onto the paper now, you know, <laughs> draft it down. You know, it so happens it, it's, it's always there on your subconscious right, mind, right. but then it takes time for it to come out to the conscious mind. And thanks to you for bringing certain, you know, things right to the right in front of me for me to my start pleasure. Implementing
0: them. Absolutely. My pleasure.
1: Thanks, Jaggi. Thanks for your time, too. Thanks for your invitation. And, you know, thanks to all the listeners who are going to listen to this podcast. And I just hope that they learn or they get something from me. And moreover, they also become a good word of mouth for
0: the university. Absolutely. I myself, I'm going to, you know, I've always uh, believed uh, personal finance is very important for people because of certain experiences that I've had. And I have a niece myself, um, but she's not yet old enough to probably, you know, pick things like five or six years old. Uh, But uh, all the people that I know, you know, who are crossing 10, 12 years old, I think it's time for them to kind of, you know, get into such things. And you know what? I also thought exposing kids who are 13 years old to such things or different courses like this it gives them a, a chance to figure out uh, you know what they might want to do imagine somebody falls in love with the concepts that you're teaching now right they may figure out oh you know what finance is something that i want to do you know behavioral finance is something these things are really interesting and uh, we could uh, do a lot more with such uh, future experts in these things so yeah and uh, great this podcast is brought to you by Edison OS, a no-code edtech platform to operate an online education business. Knowledge entrepreneurs can use Edison OS to sell online courses from their own websites, manage online masterclasses, launch mobile learning apps, sell online practice tests for competitive exams, run online learning communities, digitizing their offline tutoring business, use it as a learning management system and a lot more cases in the domain of knowledge commerce.